Hey there, my name is Nathan Agin. This is The Working Actor's Journey, bringing you in-depth conversations with actors that have been working professionally for decades. Today, we have a text work session with Francis Guinan from episode number 14. Previous sessions of text work include Shakespeare, Pinter, Stoppard, and newer works. And if you enjoy this text work session, I highly encourage you to check out the full episode with the guest as they are packed with just so much candor, honesty, wisdom, and ideas on life as a working actor. They are fantastic conversations. And along with all those episodes is the guide, 12 Top Acting Tips from Season 1. I've put this together from the over 19 hours of content from Season 1, and it contains great quotes and ideas from all the guests about pursuing an acting career. You can grab your free copy at workingactorsjourney.com slash sign up. So go get that right now. That link is also in the show notes and episode description. Check out these fantastic acting tips at workingactorsjourney.com slash sign up. Today, Francis will be discussing a speech from Jessica Dickey's play, The Rembrandt, which premiered at Steppenwolf Theater in Chicago in 2017 with Francis in the cast alongside John Mahoney, who many people know as the dad on Frasier, one of my personal favorites, but who is also a longtime Steppenwolf ensemble member. I was lucky enough to see this production of the Rembrandt at Steppenwolf, and John passed away not long after the show closed. You'll hear in this episode how Francis found his way through the text, and the deeper connections between art and the relationship his character has with John's. It's a great session and a wonderful insight into how an actor works. So here we go with Francis and the Rembrandt. Please enjoy the text work. You know, you mentioned John Mahoney earlier, and I know you worked with John a number yeah. of times. Yeah. And I saw the two of you in the Rembrandt uh, last year. Oh, yeah. And I was just curious how your relationship with John working together over the years informed your scenes together. Oh, it's... it's uh... You know, years ago we did uh, um, uh, No Man's Land, Pinter's play. Yeah, I shaved my head for it, and and John. Of course, we were both we were both like decades too young to play the roles, but you know that's just what we did at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, but John and I have had a working relationship for so many years that you know, and and plus we have the same many of the same sensibilities in terms of performance that. Uh, and you know some great we differ quite we we differed quite a bit too but but yeah i mean that just i think the ease one has with somebody else on stage is is something that uh increases over time so uh but yeah that that certainly informed the work that we did in the rembrandt and you know john, so john's character is uh you know towards the end of his life and were you aware that John himself was nearing the end of his life. Well, uh, no, I, 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 I knew he had been unwell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I found out during an interview that we were doing over at uh, WTTW that he had had stage four lung cancer, oh, which wow. he hadn't said boo. 
you know, to anyone here. He was a very, very private person. Mm -hmm. And I knew he was unwell, but I had no idea, you know. Do you, do you feel like that, whatever knowledge you felt like you had informed your playing of the scene? Was it, was it more personal that way or, or no? I ha I wasn't anticipating as Francis, you know, that John was dying right. or anything. And, yeah. and, and frankly, I, I, that would have been a bit much to deal with on stage. Sure. I mean, yeah. there, there's certain, I mean, there's, there's certain things that you want to go to that you want to reach into the reservoir and, you know, utilize in order to make, make a scene more realistic or seemingly connected. But on the other hand, if, if I had known that John was dying, that would have been a terrible distraction. Mm. Um, yeah. And, uh, no, that's that that would have been too much real life in the scene. But I I do have to say that it was I knew he was unwell and I and I felt, you know, you you, you work with I just loved John. I yeah. mean, what a what a kind, sweet man and generous almost to a fault. And and actually just having somebody like that in my life over so many years. That was something that was quite easy to plug into. If I were, you know, yeah, if I, I could, I could, I end up living. Uh, I don't know if I, I, I don't know if John Mahoney's the kind of person I'd want to share my life with. <laughs> but on the other hand, I can certainly make that work for you know twenty minutes on stage. Right. Um, I, I can yeah. very well imagine that. For, for my money, uh, those were arguably some of the best scenes. In, in the play, uh, it, it was just a, it was, it was a joy watching the two of you work together. Oh, it was, I mean, it was just, I, it's, it's the familiarity. Yeah. And sort of the, the desire to amuse one another and to, to be there for one another, I think is, uh, that, that's really what made the scene work. So, and it's, and plus it's some pretty good writing too. Yes. Well, that actually is a great segue to, I know you were open to talking about one of the monologues from the Rembrandt. Yeah. Uh, so this is, this is a monologue that takes place between you and John, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yes, yes. And he's, he's been fading in and out. Uh, and I've, I've just lost my job because I've touched the Rembrandt in the, uh, in the museum. Right. And, uh, which is sort of an act of rebellion and an act which he knows it's going to get him fired, but he doesn't care uh, because his lover is dying. And so it ends up he's going to spend more time with Henry. My character is going to spend more time with John's character, Simon, Okay. Uh, as a result of his being fired. And so there's there's a consciousness of that in the act. But there's also... a it's an interesting thing. There's, there's sort of this, almost this traffic accident of metaphors crashing together in this last, in the last few minutes of the play, where he's trying to put all of this, all of this influence and all this emotion together into something of a, a cohesive statement for himself, which he partially succeeds in doing. But it's a it's a it's a real interesting moment because um, he he ends up searching his way through most of the most of the speech. Yeah. Well, just I mean, visually looking at the text, it's almost uh, certain portions of it look like uh, a poem. 
uh, how it's how it's. Oh, they, that's yeah, yeah. She had very specific ideas, uh, not necessarily in in pausing, you know, at the end of each line and delivering, right. but she wanted certain things to jump out uh, at the audience. Well, so I'm wondering if you can kind of take us, yeah, take us a sure. little bit through how you approach yeah, it yeah. Or, or what things you found uh, in the text. Well, he's talking about, he begins, he says he touched the painting and, uh, and Simon is, is stunned by this because, you know, Henry's a bit of a, he's a bit of a stick in the mud. Right. Uh, Simon's a bit more of a philosopher and a poet and, and, uh, um, sort of emotionally adventurous and and Henry's just you know, no never kind of turned his back on his painting career and never could quite so anyway he 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 touches the painting and the first thing that comes out of his out of his mouth is it was surprisingly spiky he says and of course with the ridges of the paint coming up and in a way that's sort of a an indica- uh, that that refers also to their relationship. That's just a a clue to it. He he reached out, he touched the painting, and he found it spiky. He found it he found that it was it was sort of a trick. I mean, it's uh, he goes on to say, art is such a slight thing. It's a trick. The closer you get, it recedes like a shadow. It lives. It glows. And then you touch it and it's not really there or it's all there. Rembrandt, Homer, I touched it all. And, and essentially that's, that's what happens in a relationship as well. I mean, you look at it too closely and it becomes very, very sort of ephemeral. I mean, you can't, in a way, it's sort of like, you don't want to know how the sausage is made. You know what I mean? Sure, of course. It's, uh, you need a certain amount of distance in order to really experience something uh, in the proper way. Uh, so anyway, he talks about, um, and then he suddenly gets an idea of his dad. I mean, he remembers the first time he saw the painting. Uh, they're going to go see it. Oh, let's see what they, what they spent $2.3 million on. And he remembers his father standing there and not knowing how he was responding to the painting at all. He says, I never asked him what he thought of the painting, if he liked it, if it pleased him. I'd like to think it did, that somehow he was touched by it. I regret that actually terribly. It's just a slight thing, canvas, paint, and yet it contains what? Worlds. Truths. And then he says, and I think this is where it, this is where it draws an awful lot of stuff gets drawn together in the scene. And he says, I stood there today and I thought, there's only one of this, meaning the painting, in all of time. I touched that fragility and my heart just, and he can't go on. He doesn't have any words for it. And that's, that's what he discovers, that there's no way to summarize. He turns to Simon and he realizes that, yes, there's only one of this in all of time and that he somehow touched it and his heart and he can't even explain. 
how his life is different. He can't even, there's no way that he can really articulate what it is that he's feeling. Mm -hmm. And then he finishes it off by saying, I want you to know you've been a wonderful partner. You have. I have failed you so terribly, so terribly. But I'm here now. I'm here. And that's how the play ends. He's given up everything in order to, like, study Simon, in order to be there with Simon at the end. Because not that he'll, not that he even has any, any sense of what it is he's going to do. It's just that he knows he has to be there because his heart tells him that he must. Mm. And, uh, and, that's, and that's, how one, that's how one reacts to art as well. I mean, you can't really, you know, when you, when you hear Chopin, I mean, can you explain what it is that you're feeling? Well, no. I mean, it's like trying to explain a joke. I mean, you, 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 you destroy it by examining it too quickly right, right. or too, too closely. And I think that's what, uh, as, as I go through the speech, uh, that's the sort of stuff that's sort of stuff that you look for, how it becomes, how it becomes personal. I mean, he's talking about the painting, but no, he's not really talking about the painting. He's talking about the relationship, or at least you want the audience to think about the relationship that the two of them have. Right. And how, how the painting relates to that. And you let them, you know, you let them create their own experience in that. Hey guys, Nathan here one more time. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to subscribe so you don't miss anything ahead. Be sure to visit workingactorsjourney.com for additional info and links for items mentioned in today's episode, as well as all the episodes. You can follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. All the links are on our site and in the episode notes. Become a premium member and enjoy additional benefits and perks of the show starting at just $2 per month. Head over to workingactorsjourney.com slash premium to join the Working Actors community. Thanks again to today's guest and to everyone that makes these episodes possible. And a special thanks to you for listening. I'm Nathan Agan, and enjoy the journey.